You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. We're talking with Dr. Taysir Suleiman about the various types of composite resin and their clinical applications. Dr. Suleiman is the director of the Division of Operative Dentistry and Biomaterials at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He earned a clinical certificate in operative dentistry and also a PhD in biomaterials sciences. Dr. Suleiman's research interest is related to dental ceramics, composite resin, dental adhesives, color in dentistry, and dental cements. Taysir, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk. It is a pleasure to be here with you all. Thank you very much. And for for those of our listeners that have not heard some of Taysir's previous podcast episodes, they've been phenomenal. Um, One is on adhesive systems. And if you want to learn really what's important about adhesive dentistry, I I strongly recommend you listening to that. And then, of course, um, he did a great one on color selection, which is obviously very important to every uh, clinical dentist. So today we're going to be talking about, as I mentioned, composite resin types of resins and their applications. So my first question is, what are the different types of composites that are available to clinicians today? Well, um, when we talk about composite systems, we have, um, you can classify them into uh, uh, numerous classifications, actually. But one of them is based off of the way they cure or they polymerize. Um, being, um, having, you know, chemical cure, uh, dual cure, and light cure. Um, and so um, the other way of classifying the composites that we have is according to the filler particle size. And that's something that's gained a lot of attention in terms of research and in, into in, in enhancing the, um, the, the filler components of the composite resin. So we have um, from the early introduction of the composites of a macrofill all the way down to nanofilled um, uh, particles that uh, we are using currently today, and, and there's hybrid versions um, uh, of that. And so it's very important, you know, the chemical cure was introduced to us in the, in the 1960s or 70s, and, or e- even before that, um, um, basically having two components of a catalyst and a, um, a, a, and a base, and, and so they had very limited working time, and the problem that you know, uh, those composites suffered at that time was color change due to the um, amount of tertiary amines that, 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 they, um, uh, that they had. But they were primar- uh, primarily used, if you have a self-curing composite, it's primarily used for um, core buildups or in areas where light um, cannot really reach. And, and before I move along from that type of composites, there was an interesting discussion in one of the meetings we had um, with some, some of the key opinion leaders on this is that... Um, you know, are we ready to look into uh, a, a, genera- a new generation of composites that are self-curable uh, and that are um, uh, color stable and don't have the deficiencies that the previous versions had? And I think um, uh, some of the manufacturers are really and researchers are really onto that because you kind of exclude the element of um, of, 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 of light curing, which which I will touch upon. Uh, briefly also, but uh, that's been a major uh, problem for composite systems is not properly curing uh, um, uh, curing the um, the composite restoration. So that was just kind of something that I wanted to talk a little bit about the chemical. And then you have the dual cure composites, of course, which are light and chemical cure, and they have extended working time, also had an issue with tertiary amines, and also basically used for core buildups. And then last but not least, of course, is the um, is the light cure composites. And so, you know, whatever composite system that you are using, I think it's very, very important to understand the following. Um, 
you know, you pay attention to, to details and um, you are a phenomenal clinician in terms of preparing the tooth structure for receiving your composite restoration, whatever technique you're, you, you are following or doing. Um, and also, you know, you understand your material. You have the proper composite that you have been comfortable or you have grown to learn how to use, determining the proper shade from it, and you, you've, you've learned or determined the proper way to finish your composite. But that really does not all matter unless you understand the importance of light curing. And, you know, um, ever since I've attended one of the courses by Richard Price on this topic and getting to know Fred Bregerberg, two phenomenal um, researchers and academicians that really have put this on the map, it has become um, uh, one of my most, let's say, popular topics to talk about among clinicians is how to understand the importance of light curing. And it's not just the blue light that you hit on the uh, on the composite, and then it will it will turn you know it will it will harden the composite. There's so much there's so much details that um, or uh, that you have to understand, and that really gets into this process. And what, the first things that I really talk about here is that you must work with a curing light that is from a reputable brand. Why? Because there's always been research that has done before introducing that into the market. Uh, we are now at the generation that we have these um, poly wave curing lights uh, having LED chips. What you have to understand is that not all light emits the amount, the same amount of irradiance. It does, they, they, they do not all emit the same amount of wavelength. And there has to be a match between the composite system that you're using and what photo initiator is in that system with the curing light that you're using. So each composite system have a unique um, uh, photo initiators in them, and they and if you read the details about the composite system that you're doing, manufacturers usually um, explain that, and, and you must have a curing light that will match with that composite, or else you are not curing the composite system that or the composite material that you're using, and so the diff, if you're not paying attention to this process it leads to numerous, numerous failures um, related to the composite that I'm sure no clinician wants because it will reflect negatively on them um, with, the with the patient coming back to them saying, hey doc, look, I have a discolored margin here. I have a, my whole composite discolored or I have a rough uh, a, a surface here or, or it broke here. And, and, and all that really leads to, um, most of it is just, um, not properly curing the composite. And so for, therefore, you know, some of the brands that have been under a lot of testing and a lot of research is um, you have the Velo curing light um, from, um, from uh, Ultradent. You have the Deep Cures from uh, 3M, a phenomenal curing light um, that has um, everything that we need in terms of delivering of irradiance and also delivering of energy and also delivering energy at a clinically acceptable distance because we're not doing curing on a flat surface. We have cusps and we have anatomy, and now we have these bulk fill composites also that we're curing at, 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 at a, at a uh, uh, more distance. And so you need a light that can deliver at six and at eight millimeters of, of a distance away from the composite material. And you know, um, and also uh, uh, products like the Blue Phase uh, family from Ivoclar also phenomenal curing lights um, that have been, you know, uh, been under a lot of research and, and, and show um, uh, great results. But the most important thing here is 
technically of, of, of how to really understand that you know you, you, you have to wear blue light blockers you have to see what you're curing you have to train your assistant into wearing blue light blockers not staring at the uh, at the light because that can be damaging to the eye and make sure that you are curing the composite um, at this at a, a sufficient time and and without moving uh, uh, your hand around and so uh, a lot of details about curing but that's kind of the main things that I wanted to talk about um, before moving along with the composite uh, topic. Yeah, no, that's great information. Um, and you mentioned some great uh, curing lights there from those different companies. So what are the key elements to achieve optimum durability? Of, of course, curing is one of them, but what else do we need to understand to make sure that that composite restoration is, is super durable? So, yeah, and, and, you know, that really, again, just, um, you know, just understanding the, um, uh, the, the curing uh, is, is going to be very, very important. But also, you know, the type of composite that you're using. And, you know, if you're using it for, um, let's say, for aesthetic cases, the ability of the composite to polish and the ability of the composite to properly handle, I think these are some of the important things that clinicians really look for in a composite system. And, you know, Right now, it's become very interesting when you look, when you research multiple brands of composite systems, you see four or five um, reputable manufacturers have all really learned how to develop phenomenal composite material. And the differences between them right now is kind of becoming very minimal. Um, but one of the things that we have really um, looked into is the um, um, uh, uh, composites uh, in terms of their properties is, is, the, um, is uh, Filtex Supreme Ultra from um, from 3M, we have a uh, in our research laboratory we have a chewing simulator, and so therefore what we try to do is we try to maximize the clinical relevance of in vitro testing. And a lot of the properties that are introduced to clinicians through the literature really are um, in vitro testing that really have minimal clinical relevance. And so therefore, you know, in terms of strength of composite, a lot of the manufacturers have figured it out. We have great composites that are strong. Wear resistance is very, very important to understand from these composites as well. And 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 again, uh, multiple brands have 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 shown um, to be uh, uh, doing well in that in that in that sense also. But you know, when we're talking about the the different composite systems, it's very important that clinicians right now really, let's say you understand right now the interior composites and and you know it's it's technique sensitive. It requires skill. And, and, and let's say you've mastered all of that, but moving along into the posterior composites. When it comes to posterior composites right now, we have, of course, the bulk fill material, and we get a lot of questions about, you know, are you using bulk fill material? Is, it, uh, is there a lot of research out there on bulk fill composite material? And the introduction of bulk fill is really just to facilitate time and, and increase efficiency um, um, for, for, for the clinical practice. And so, you know, one of the major issues with applying um, uh, composites, posterior, uh, posterior composites incrementally is, is the incorporation of voids, which, which, which can be a problem. And so, um, the, uh, again, one of the advantages of using bulk fill with, with increased viscosity is to eliminate or to minimize the amount of voids that can be created. But I tell you, there's, there's, there's not much um, clinical evidence really out on a lot of these bulk fill systems. There's a lot of in vitro testing that has been available to us. Um, we personally have done research on um, 3M's products of uh, Filtech Supreme Ultra and Filtech One, and we put them to the test. Uh, uh, we looked at the mechanical properties, we looked at the wear resistance, we looked at the color stability, and we put them to the test to the, you know, uh, to everything that 
we can do in terms of maximizing the clinical relevance. So, and therefore, then we put we fatigued the material and looked at a lot of mechanical properties. And um, I can tell you the that the, the bulk fill, the filtec one, the bulk fill uh, from 3M came out, you know, uh, pretty impressive when it comes to it. Uh, when it comes to its uh, mechanical property, uh, comparing it to the conventional uh, filtec Supreme Ultra. Um, and, and, and we looked also into the wear resistance of them. And, and uh, they are also very comparable. Actually, Filtec 1, the bulk film material, actually uh, performed a little bit better than, than Filtec Supreme Ultra, the conventional composite. And you know, a lot of research has been done also on the depth of cure. You know, when the manufacturers are recommending to cure composites at four to five millimeters, is that really true? Can you really achieve that? And I'd like to say, based off of the literature that I have read and um, um, from from key experts in this area, is that yes, you can achieve um, the um, polarization or the degree of conversion at four or five millimeter depths, like the manufacturer is claiming. Keeping in mind using the right curing light and and applying the right techniques, and so for that's been a really game changer into how to apply um, uh, composites and large uh, large composites and posterior. Um, uh, region, but you have to keep in mind also that sometimes the translucency of these composites have been a concern, the bulk of the composites. And, um, uh, uh, you know, working with 3M on this, uh, they have changed the, um, the way the light interacts with their composite and the depth of cure, and also enhancing the translucency. When I say enhancing, I'm, I mean in, uh, uh, increasing the opacity of it so it doesn't appear as translucent. Um, because that was one of the initial complaints that clinicians had is that these bulk film material are, you know, their handling's okay and I can, I can, I can, you know, uh, uh, use them in one increment, but they're really translucent and gray when, it, uh, um, when, when I'm done and I really do not like that. So, um, again, manufacturers have, have gotten better in terms of producing bulk film material that are not as uh, translucent as they were before. But you have to understand also with the bulk fill systems, there are flowable bulk fill, bulk fill systems that recommended to um, cap them with a conventional composite like the um, Surefill uh, by Dense Supply, SDR by Dense Supply. And so, um, and there are monolithic uh, composites uh, systems where you inject the entire um, uh, composite, uh, uh, the, the, sorry, the cavity with um, I fill it up all the way to the to the top with with the with one composite material with no need of a conventional composite on top of that. So when it comes to bulk fill composites, I think it's a matter of preference right now. We have not introduced them yet into teaching the students in the clinics, and we've met on with multiple um, schools and discussed that. Is it, you know are, are we ready to train our students on that? I, I don't believe there is a consensus on, on, on uh, to introduce that to our students. However, they've been taught in seminars or hand, some hands-on or workshops about them so that if they do move on to practices that do use bulk fill material, they are aware of that. Um, but bulk fill composite really has gained a lot of interest and a lot of research and a lot of progress. And so for um, I see that really um, becoming um, the go-to composite in the near future. Yeah, I think it's uh, among professionals out there that are working, not dental schools. I think bulk fill has been the state of you know de facto state yes. of the art. Yeah, at this point. Yes. Um, I assume mm -hmm. the schools will pick it up as a regular. Yes, and if I may add here, if mm -hmm. I may add here, an important thing that also um, has uh, we have done some research on, and 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 uh, um, uh, with 3M on this, using their Filtec Supreme Ultra and Filtec One, is the process of preheating. 
Um, that preheating is not new. It has been done since the 90s, but um, right now it's um, it's kind of gained momentum, um, especially with some of the techniques that have been introduced um, uh, to use these composites. And so, when uh, the question is, does preheating affect your composite? You know, uh, does it affect the properties? And 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 just a simple answer to that is no, it doesn't. Um, when we looked into Filtex Supreme Ultra when we preheated it, um, the conventional composite, the Filtex Supreme Ultra, there were many properties that were enhanced by preheating, and many properties remained the same. Uh, when I say properties, I'm talking about mechanical, I'm talking about wear, I'm talking about optical properties. Um, Filtex One, the the bulk fill composite that we looked into, when we preheated it, actually the strength went up. And so um, when I say it went up, it might not mean that much clinically, but it was encouraging. And we looked at it as, you know, what, why does this uh, strength go up? And, 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 and the, um, a simple uh, explanation for it is just a different uh, resin that is being used for um, uh, Filtec 1 is different than the one that is used for Filtec Supreme Ultra. But the wear resistance was phenomenal. Um, the color stability was also great. And, and um, um, and so, you know, uh, the, the, um, the practice of preheating, I think, um, uh, you know, I don't know why clinicians would preheat bulk fill composites. They're all, the viscosity of most of them are already um, uh, very good. And so um, if you are doing that, I don't think there's any harm. Um, uh, but for the conventional composites, when you are preheating them, you're increasing the adaptability of it. You're enhancing the polymerization process also of this um, when, when you are curing it. And so there are some benefits to add, but no harm to cause. So if you are practicing with preheating, I think um, it is a good clinical practice and, um, and you shouldn't be con too concerned about it, whether it was for a conventional or a bulk fill material. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we wrap up this podcast episode, Taysir, uh please tell us a little bit about minimally invasive dentistry uh, regarding resin infiltration. Yes, so this is a, this has gained a lot of attention also recently with the introduction of a product called Icon from DMG. Um, DMG is very well known for a lot of their products, um, specifically talking about their impression material like honey gum. Um, their temporary material is very well known, Luxa Temp. Um, is something that um, we have been uh, using excessively here at the school and teaching the students with. But the ICON is really um, uh, um, um, a very low-filled resin and technique that basically um, can be applied to um, white spots. So uh, let's say after um, uh, orthodontic brackets are removed, you get areas of demineralization. Pa patients with um, with the fluorosis, for example, have, have white spots. So when you have superficial white spots that are not too deep within the enamel and dentin, you, you don't have to um, uh, remove that white spot using a burr right now. Um, and so again, for superficial white lesions and discolorations, if you use the icon system, basically what you're doing is you're rough, you, you can use a, a, a medium grid or a, a, a coarse grid of a softless disc and just kind of run it over that white surface. You're, you're opening a little bit of the, um, of the hypercalcified area, allowing for their unique acid to penetrate deep within that um, white spot lesion. And so you can apply that multiple times, three or four up to five times of, of that acid. And, and, if you, and, and then there's a, um, um, another step where you dry it out. And if you see that that white has disappeared, all you do later on is you use this very nice unfilled resin that penetrates deep within the area that you have um, demineralized. And it um, 
makes that um, white spot disappear. So um, it is very conservative, very um, minimally invasive, and it has um, been a game changer really in terms of how these white spot lesions have been treated. Again, you know, the deeper ones would might require, of course, removal with a burr. But here you have a patient sitting on your chair, you're removing their white spot, no anesthesia, no drilling, and it's just been it has just been phenomenal. We have used it uh, multiple times and documented these cases. And then, you know, after the resident filtration, you see immediate change, but the change will become even better when the teeth start, when all the teeth start to rehydrate within a week or two, and you can see um, the blending of colors. It has also been used for arresting caries, proximal caries, um, and, and they have a kit for doing that. And so I encourage folks um, to look into that because when you have these incipient lesions in the enamel, you no longer have to drill to prevent. This is a great preventive um, uh, material that you can use by separating that proximal area um, a little bit and then and then using the resonant filtration technique. It has been um, really a game changer. Um, so um, um, I really congratulate DMG on that introduction of this concept for minimal invasive dentistry and for preventive dentistry. Yes, no, that's, uh, it's, I've heard about ICON and I, dentists have seemed to be very, very excited about the results they're getting. Um, and that's again, as, uh, Tizia yes. has mentioned, that's from DMG. Um, well, thanks again DMG, for, yes. for everything you've, uh, shared with us today. Some great information for those of you who are interested. Also, there's, uh, an upcoming podcast episode on ceramics and, uh, he'll be joining us very shortly for that one. So again, Taysir, thanks for joining us on Dental Talk, and we'll see you soon. It has been my pleasure. Thank you very much.